So this picture here, you guys just might notice the road in the background, rumble strips. I'm thankful for them. Uh, before kids, um, we like road trips. Churchills do a lot of road trips. Before children, we used to drive overnight sometimes to get to our destination. We just say, well, who cares if it's 20 hours? Let's do it in one clip, <laughs> you know? Um, and I'm very thankful for rumble strips because there had been a couple times where I'm just dozing and praise God. Kathump, 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 woke me up, right? So it's swiftly, you know, when we hit one of those rumble strips, it captures your attention that you're drifting out of lane. That's the purpose of thing. We know a scripture from Matthew 7, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few who find it. Do you guys believe what Jesus says? I absolutely do. Narrow is the way. You got to stay in this lane, his lane. And aren't there many lanes out there today? Okay, the scriptures, Jesus goes on to say, you know, broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in that way. Many. We look about at the religions of the world today. They can't all be true. Truth is truth. And if they're all saying something different, well, which one is right? Who's right? Well, Jesus says narrow is the way that leads to life. And he came to give us life. Well, guys, the Holy Spirit works even better than rumble strips. Do you guys know that? He is so much better. He is with us no matter where we go. He will never leave us or forsake us. Um, so when we start that mental lane change, our God is there with us, guys. The kathump, kathump, kathump upon our hearts warning us to get back in the spirit lane. So when we start crossing over into that flesh lane, kathump, kathump, wake up, warning, get back in your lane. And aren't you guys thankful for that? Okay. So it's frustrating, guys. We want to be spiritual champions, right? Um, but our old nature seems to laugh at us every chance it gets. I love Chuck Swindoll. I don't know if you guys have ever caught him on the radio. He's an older brother in the Lord, been preaching the word faithfully for many years. He said this, we felt the subtle yet almost irresistible riptide of temptation drawing us out to sea of pleasure and then drowning us in its consequences. Now, of course, he lives out on the West Coast, and they got the ocean there. You guys understand riptides? You try to get in, but it'll just keep pulling you back, and that's what the flesh wants to do. We've been set free. Old things have passed away. All things become new, <laughs> but our flesh wants to keep pulling us back into that old life, but we don't have to go there any longer. But what we learn is we've been studying Romans here, and as we get into chapter 8, we don't have to kill a giant. We don't have to slay a dragon. It's not about performance. It's about our faith in Jesus Christ, period. That is what it's about, brother and sister. So in chapter 7, Paul was saying that we must, as believers, spend our whole life on this earth 
being frustrated with ongoing dealings with the indwelling of sin. No, he didn't say that at all. You guys understand we've been set free. That's what he told us in chapter 7. And there's power that is given to walk in that victory. We've been given the Holy Spirit. So the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, guys, who is the source of divine power and our sanctification. Sometimes we come to faith. I'm going to believe in Jesus. I'm in. Now i got to work really hard and do this Christian thing. That's not how it works. You've been born again in the Spirit of God. You can't accomplish what God has done by His Spirit by trying to do it, fulfill it in and by the flesh. You've got to continue to walk in the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, allow the Holy Spirit to empower you to do so. So when you hear the kathump, kathump, my flesh is wanting to do, no. <laughs> Get back in step with Jesus. So as we consider, guys, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, who is really the secret when it comes to our spiritual daily living, now in chapter 8 here, Paul mentions or uses the word spirit 21 times, and at least 18 of them are specifically speaking to the Holy Spirit. Now, I want us to grasp this because it's really easy for us in the church. Would you guys agree we can talk about God the Father? Can All that he said, all that he's done, we can talk about the Son, Jesus, right? The Savior of the world. But often in the church, the Holy Spirit isn't spoken about a whole lot. That's why I love teaching the Word of God because guess what? We have to deal with him because he is part of the Godhead. He is God and he's here all over and spoken about and we need to give attention because his word does. So we're going to be looking and diving in. So there are more references here about the Spirit than in any of Paul's writings thus far or any of his epistles. So we have here Paul's fullest discussion when it comes to this new life in the Spirit. And so many people today are looking for new life, aren't they? Well, if I just had this, if I could just do that... Wow, for the Christian, we have new life in the Spirit. And we can have that daily. That's the cool part. So a simple outline for us this morning, we're going to look at being eternally secure, internally free, positionally perfect in Christ, right? And then we're going to talk and look into life according to the flesh. And then we're going to look into life according to the Spirit, and that's where these scriptures are going to take us this morning. So let's take a look together at verse 1, and we considered this last week, okay? Uh, if you missed it, the last 15 minutes of last week's service, we walked through verse 1 of chapter 8. There is therefore now, right now, okay, presently, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So to who? <laughs> to those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. Okay? Christ took our judgment upon himself. Okay? The great switcheroo, 2 Corinthians 5.21, he became sin for us. He took our place, our condemnation. He took it all. So now we who are in Christ, we're free, guys. Didn't Christ come for freedom's sake? It's all about him. So he set us free, 
okay? In chapter 7, if you look back to verse 25, Paul revealed that we can be set free from the power of sin by only one thing, and that's the atoning work of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said. That's the only thing. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. It is a gift from God. And can we receive that? My heart aches for people who are spiritual, who are trying so hard to earn that. I'm doing this. I'm trying so hard. I'm doing the best I can, and I keep falling short. They've missed the gospel. They've missed the Savior of the world. This is what the Spirit of God works in us, and that's why he keeps pointing us back to Jesus. So those who are in union with him, those who have their faith in him, those who identify with him, those who are justified, who've been declared righteous, stand in his grace, are no longer under his wrath, but they possess eternal life. All the sphere of safety is in Christ Jesus. And that took place the day you gave your heart to him. You said, yes, I believe, I repent, I'm turning to you, Jesus. I receive receive this gift of eternal life. Thank you for what you did on the cross. You guys understand, when you've been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, covered in his blood, you've been forgiven. So we will continue to struggle against our sin nature, and sometimes we lose battles. Some of you guys lost battles this morning, okay? It is a life. We struggle, yet we will never receive everlasting punishment for our failures. And isn't there a tension today between our flesh and the spirit? Galatians, if you struggle with that, I would encourage you to spend some time reading through the epistle Paul wrote to the Galatian church. Okay? Because it talks about that war between the flesh and the spirit in depth. But I love what the scriptures lay out. I loved hanging Thursday morning with my brothers. We're going through 1 Samuel, and we talked about about what God was wanting to do, but it was conditional if (laughs) we have choice. Do you guys understand that? We can grieve, we can resist the Holy Spirit, or we can yield. (laughs) That's our choice. God wants to have us life in the Spirit. And so many of the promises of God come back to a conditional thing. If you do this, then I'll do that. God just wants us to obey. Are we going to trust his word? Are we going to believe him? Are we going to receive those promises by faith and walk in them? That's on us. And there's that tension, guys, because we still struggle. Things are what they are for us as believers, but there's the not yet, okay? There are kingdom realities that we're living out, but we haven't entered into the fullness of the kingdom, we still struggle in this life. The gals on Friday morning, you guys were in 2 Corinthians 3, talking about how God's grace will suffice. In this life, we're going to have those struggles, those tribulations. But grace of God is there and is going to see us through, even though it's hard yet. Yeah, we all look forward to the day when we we'll finally be with him in glory. <laughs> I know you guys do. But we live in this tension right now. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why he is there for us. He didn't say, hey, trip out and try really hard and hope you can make it to the end. No, I've begun a work in you. I'm going to complete that work. Philippians 1.6. Romans 12, Hebrews 12. 
too. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. If you're saved, God's going to see you through. He is faithful. If you are his kid, born again of the Spirit, he's going to discipline you. He's going to spank your butt when you need it. Doesn't the Bible say he disciplines those whom he loves? He's his kids. And that's what I love. Again, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay? And as we spoke about last week, there's conviction. And aren't we told in the Gospel of John, I believe it's chapter 14, maybe verse 16, that the Holy Spirit work in the world is to convict people of their sin. Not to condemn. Christ did not come to condemn the world. They're condemned already. <laughs> We're in our sin. But the Holy Spirit, he comes, he opens our eyes. He will convince us of truth, real conviction that we can respond to that. And some people choose to resist him. Okay? Let that not be said of us. Let us receive conviction. God, you're right. Thank you for the rumble strip. <laughs> Got thumps in my life. Oh, so. I don't even know where we are. There's no condemnation. That's the point, okay? Um, is this a new teaching pastor? No, <laughs> okay? David, back in Psalm 34, verse 22, the Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. That's Old Testament, guys. We're not condemned if we trust in God. It's him. It's always him. So we're eternally free. Look at verse 2 here in Romans 8. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So the second benefit is this eternal freedom, okay? Made me free from, like a cruel slave owner, the law of sin and death rules an unregenerated person. That's all they have. That's their context, okay? And it permeates everything they do. Even if they're doing things that are helpful in good, virtuous deeds, they're still under the law of sin and death. But when they trust in Christ Jesus, the shackles fall off and the believers are emancipated from their bondage so we can finally say no to the flesh and we can say yes to the grace of God. That's what happens. We're free. I don't have to do that any longer. Sin no longer has a hold on me. I don't have to believe the lies any longer. And we can humbly receive the grace of our God and walk in that grace. So, every one of us in Christ has the ability to reject sin, right? We can resist temptation. We can choose to live righteously. So this internal freedom, it's the second benefit of the atoning work of Jesus Christ. I want you guys to be the freest people upon the planet. <laughs> okay? People will want to judge. People want to condemn you. It's not of our Lord and Savior. He's set us free. And we need to stop caring about what other people think. We please God. Period. What do you have? What are you asking? 
Thank you for what you've done. Just live as his kid. Enjoy that freedom. Because we're willing to fight for freedom, aren't we? We enjoy a lot of great freedoms here in America because people laid down their lives fighting for our freedom. We're thankful. (laughs) But the greatest freedom anyone can know is the freedom that you find in Christ Jesus. That is true freedom. Because the freedom we are enjoying right now here, it can be taken away from us like that. Do you guys understand? And people are tripping. There's fear-mongering going on all around it because we know that it can be taken. But when we're in Christ, we don't need to be tripping because he isn't tripping. Do you guys know that? Is Jesus on the throne right now tripping out about what's going to happen? No. He's got it. He's sovereign. He's in control. And the freedom he gives no one can take away okay we can choose to give it away and buy into the lies but if we're standing fast in the truth in christ jesus no one can take away true freedom and that's the freedom i wish people cared about the most okay i'm so thankful for the people who fought for our freedom here But when is the church, the Christians, going to start fighting for the freedom that actually matters eternally? That's what we're called to, brothers and sisters. That's what we get to live out. I got a brother who's in the service. He's a chaplain in the Navy. And he is there by choice because he's on mission for Jesus Christ. He's baptized thousands of those in service in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay? It's beautiful, guys. So, we're eternally free. The next point we see in verses 3 and 4 is that we're positionally perfect. I love this. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So our third benefit here is our positional perfection and god did this by sending his own son verse three so the law spelled out perfect righteousness but as sinful humans we couldn't obey it but we couldn't do god did by sending his own son so did that make us perfect in every way (laughs) obviously not okay I wish when we got saved, just like, whoo, we're glowing, can sin no longer, okay? Um, we still have our flesh issues, but it did make us positionally perfect. That's what the scriptures teach. That's what we need to believe. So our standing before God is that of someone who lived a perfect life. So when the Lord looks at us, he looks through the lenses of the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you guys understand that? We could say that God has rose-colored glasses on, okay? That's how he sees his children. If you are in Christ, you've been forgiven. I was thinking earlier this week how <clears throat> Satan, the accuser of the brethren, which we looked at last week, you know, how does that play out in heaven? Because he stands before God day and night accusing the brethren. Does Jesus just, do you guys know that he has scars still? Do you know that we get to go there someday to be with him? Heaven's going to be beautiful and perfect. The only imperfect thing are going to be the scars that remain on our Savior. And I don't know how it's playing out there in the throne room. Is Satan's accusing 
But I could see Jesus just, <laughs> he's forgiven. <laughs> You're accusing my child. <laughs> he's perfect. He's been forgiven. He, he's mine. I shed my blood on the cross for that one too. When are you going to get it, Satan? You're ridiculous. <laughs> you know? I don't know how it goes. But if we're in Christ, guys, we are perfect before God. We've been cleansed positionally. Now with these foundational truths, how to live a victorious Christian life, he moves on to contrast that Christian, that victorious life to the old life that is dominated by the flesh. So check out life according to the flesh. First part of verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on what? Things of the flesh. Okay? In the first part of verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death. Verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity or you're at war against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor can it be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So as the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they continued to be reminded of how bad Egypt was. So we believers, we need to continually remind ourselves of the evil of our old lives. That is our past. You see, living in the flesh, that fleshly frame of mind, okay, a mental orientation towards sin. That's how we lived. That's what we were living for, okay? They are drawn to it like, you know, metal fly, you know, filings to a magnet or, you know, bugs to the light. You see, we had a fatal future, a road leading straight to eternal separation from God. So we had hostility towards God. I often ask people as I share the gospel with them, some get very heated quickly and anger comes out. And they're very angry at God. And I'm like, you just told me you're an atheist. You don't even believe in God. Why are you so angry at him? <laughs> Why are you at war with somebody you don't even believe in? What's going on? That's our sin nature. We rebel. That's why the world is so hostile towards Jesus. So we had an inability to obey or to please God. So they had no power to change their sinful orientation. And as a result, they lacked the ability to please God. But there's life in the Spirit. The second part of verse 5 says, But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. In the verse 6, But to be spiritually minded, that is life in peace. Okay? I've been having some hard conversations lately because we're talking and dealing with temporal things, things of the flesh. And of course it's going to be ugly conversation. Where's the hope? Where's the life? You don't find that because it's flesh. It's judgment. It's condemnation. Great, we can talk about all this stuff going on. What about Jesus? I'm a child of God. Jesus is my favorite. <laughs> He's the best. Why can't we talk more about him if we know he is the answer and that he is the hope 
that he's the one who gives life and brings peace. Why do we want to sit here and trip and talk and worry about this? Can we just stand in truth? Please. But this is the truth. No, this truth is going to change. Jesus never changed. He will never change on us. He is. He was. He is going to be the same today, yesterday, and forever. That is our God. And this is what he's calling us to. And I believe when we're standing in this truth, we can step in to this. We are called to be salt and light. We can't ignore what's going on in the world. I just believe Jesus wants his kids to represent him. Be about my family business. Stand in me. Shine for me. They might be right. They might be wrong. Maybe they're right. Maybe they're wrong. It doesn't matter. Jesus matters. Eternal life matters. Who cares if we gain this whole world and lose our souls? Let's bring the light of the gospel into this dark world. Amen? So, life in the Spirit. Did I read verse 9 yet? No, I didn't. It gets really good. But you are not in the flesh. This is speaking to the Christians. You're not in the flesh. You're in Christ, right? So if you're in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, you, you've been born again. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Okay? Are you a Christian? I don't care if you're a Christian. Are you in Christ? Many say they're Christians. Do you guys know it's about 70 plus percent of Americans say they're Christians? It's crazy because I've talked to a lot of those Christians over the years. I've shared the gospel with them and these Christians. I've never heard that before. How can you be a Christian and have never even heard the gospel before? How can you be 82 years old and gone to Catholic church almost every day of your life and you've not been born again in the Spirit of God? Yeah, she got saved, guys. 80 plus years believing she was okay. She was a Christian, but she was not in Christ. Big difference. If you're in Christ, you are his. Verse 10, and if Christ is in you, the body is uh, dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. God's design, guys, for us is to live in a manner worthy of our new calling. So now we have a fresh framework for our minds, a new course towards righteousness, a desire to conform to Christ. Don't you guys want to be more like him? But I keep blowing it. I did it again. That was very shameful. I feel so guilty for what I just did. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Stand in the truth. Positionally, this is who I am in Christ. 
this is how I ought to live. Period. A righteous man may fall down seven times, but he gets back up. And we don't do that within our own power. We do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. I got you, son. Oh, you guys are in a treat for a treat next week. Our brother Samuel Fisher of Men is going to be bringing the word, and it's going to be good. I sat down with him this week. Yeah, it's going to be good. Anyways, guys, know that God is right there for us. He is right there. That's why we've got to keep our eyes on him. We're always moving towards him. So when we begin to sink in the storm, <laughs> Jesus immediately grabbed Peter when he cried out for help. Why? Because Peter was walking right towards Jesus. My eyes are on you. I'm close to you. So when I do sink, when my faith begins to fail, you're right there to grab me, guy. That's our God. He's right there. Anyways, we're so sidetracked. Fresh frame of mind is important. So a desire to be more like Jesus. So we now have a peaceful existence. We went from enemies to being adopted into God's family. What a radical difference, right? I'm at war with you. I hate you. I can't stand you. To, hey, Dad, I love being in your family, right? So we become spiritually you know, empowered, right? Spirit-powered is what verse 11 is telling us here. So the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that kind of power. Do you guys understand how big that is? How huge that is? So we are no longer, according to verse 9, under control of our sinful nature, but to the contrary, our lives are under influence or direction of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. So when a toddler begins to walk... It's really natural for, the, for them to drop back down on all fours and start crawling again, right? Because it's safe. Standing up and going for it, it's a little risky. <laughs> it might fall. Now if we saw a teenager <laughs> dropping down and crawling around, we'd be like, there's something wrong, <laughs> you know? You should be past this, okay? This walking thing should not be scary any longer, risky any longer. Reverting back. So tell me if you can relate to this. Does your Christianity whisper in your ear or, or maybe screams in your mind, put on a good face, try harder, fix yourself, keep up your appearances, do more, do better, or at least act like you are? Or is it Sunday morning, you get your tear closet and to pick out which mask am I going to wear today? I think a lot of us do that. I like wearing shorts. They're comfortable. But as a pastor, I'm supposed to put on this mask. Should I wear a tie? Do you guys know people get mad if I wear a tie sometimes? What are you doing, Pastor? Exactly. Maybe Sam will wear a tie next week. Don't judge him if he does. Guys, there's a pressure, the flesh. 
that makes us want to put a mask on. It's amazing. I ask a lot of people on a Sunday morning, you and my brother, and say, how you doing? I'm good. Great. Wonderful. You all can't be great, beautiful, and wonderful all the time. Okay? I hope you are. I pray that we are. Unless I'm the only one that struggles in life. (laughs) Maybe that's the case. (laughs) But the thing is, guys, it's easy to wear the mask. You think if I could just, you know, sell out, if I could just get on fire, if I could buck up, if I could shape up, if I could tighten up, then I'll be like other Christians, okay? Then I'll please God. So have you run out of answers, run out of breath, run out of ability? Are you tired, guilty, lonely, depressed, sad, can't make your life work? Maybe finances are a joke. Maybe thoughts, you know, are kind of like trying to hurt a bunch of cats. Or maybe your thought life maybe could be described as monkeys that are flinging through the trees and you're trying to capture them, but you can't, okay? Maybe you're tired of that Santa Claus theology every day, wondering if he's considering you naughty or nice what is it today or hoping your nice is going to outweigh your naughty so walking down life's road guys the christian comes to a fork in the road with a sign to the left pleasing god and to the right trusting god both sound good right? Both feel good. You choose to go left because trusting God sounds too passive. It's too Christianese light, isn't it? So you set your mind on this road called pleasing God. And at the end of the road, you arrive and there's a room, okay? The room of good intentions, And above the door is a sign that reads, striving to be all God wants you to be. Here you quickly find out from others in the room, everyone says they're fine. And I quickly realize, hey, I must be fine too. I'm fine. The hostess at the door handed me a mask. And you'll want to wear this. See, it's a phony life. You need to be hiding who you really are are adam way back there in the garden began this game and on the back wall a banner that reads working on my sin to achieve intimate relationship with god so here your sin lies in a huge pile you and god on the other side so you want the relationship with god so bad that you start investing more and more effort into sinlessness, to sinning less. And you feel better for a while. You notice the road of pleasing God is turned into what I must do to keep God pleased with me. Your mask starts getting tight. Your breathing is heavy. You're feeling claustrophobic in this room you head for the door maybe that other road is better trusting God 
We start walking on life's path with the motive of trusting God. You get to the second room, the room of grace. It also has a sign above the door, but it reads, living out of who God says I am. And then this one also has a banner on the back wall, and this one reads, standing with God, with my sin in front of me, working on it together. So here your sin lies in a pile, okay? And both of you are standing before it. So see, we've already been changed. We've received a new heart. We have a brand new core identity. We have already been changed, and we get to mature into who we already are. This spring, we got some caterpillars in the mail, and we got to feed them and watch them do their little cocoons and then come out of those cocoons as butterflies. It was cool. So I had Shalom do up a little sermon illustration for us this morning because I want to consider just for a moment the caterpillar. You see, if you asked a biologist to analyze a caterpillar and describe his DNA, he would tell us, I know this looks like a caterpillar, but scientifically, according to every test, including DNA, this is fully and completely a butterfly. You see, God has wired this creature that looks like uh, nothing like a butterfly, a perfect, complete butterfly identity, okay? And because the caterpillar is a butterfly in essence, it will one day display the behavior and the attributes of a butterfly. So the caterpillar matures into it's already what's true about it, okay? And in the meantime, uh, berating the caterpillar for not being like a butterfly, it's not only futile, it probably just hurts the tiny little caterpillar's ears, okay? (laughs) What's the point? So God has given us the DNA of godliness, born again of the Spirit of God. So we are saints. We are righteous. Nothing will make you more righteous than you already are. Nothing will make you more righteous than you already are. Galatians 6.15 I'm going to paraphrase this scripture, but it says, can't you see the central issue of all of this? Is it not what you and I do? Submit to circumcision, reject circumcision. It is what God is doing, and he is creating something totally new, a free life. But wait, pleasing God's a good thing, Pastor. Yeah, it is. But there's, there's a timeline sequence to this that I want us to understand biblically, okay? Because we have motives, we have values, and actions. Motives direct what we value, right? What's going to motivate us? Okay, it's our values, okay? And that and how we act, And God has designed it that way. 
We see it throughout Scripture. An example, if you're motivated by money, okay, um, you're going to value lucrative careers. You're going to also value people who can make you more money. That's what you will value if that's your motivation. The value will shape how you act. So a key lies in Hebrews 6. Oh, Shalom's not here. I was gonna, she memorized that verse this last couple of weeks. Um, yeah. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Right? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, think about the two paths with me for a second. Trusting God, that's faith, isn't it? <laughs> According to Hebrews 11.6, faith pleases God. So trusting God, guys, it's going to what pleases him. It's our faith. So our primary motives is pleasing God. If it is, we never please him enough and we're never going to learn to trust. But if our primary motive is trusting God, we will please him as the writer of Hebrews says. Do you guys see how that works? I'm not trying to twist anything here. This is pretty clear. We trust God. We believe him. And that pleases him. Oh, how precious our faith is before our God. So more right behavior plus less wrong behavior equals godliness is very bad theology. And it sets us up to fail. And it makes us wear masks. And it makes us want to hide. You see, pleasing God is an incredible, good longing, and it's always going to be, but it can't be our primary motivation or it will imprison our hearts. Pleasing God becomes the fruit of our godliness. If my motive is pleasing God, then my value will be striving to be all that God wants me to be, and my action will be working on my sin to achieve an intimate relationship with God. But if my motive is trusting God, then my value will be living out of who God says I am, and my action will be standing with God, with my sin, in front of me, working on it together. And that is life in the Holy Spirit, guys. Kathump, kathump, kathump. He's not leaving us to ourselves. Son, you're getting a little off track here. <laughs> Come back. Daughter, I know you want to do this. You want to receive this. Kathump, kathump. I got something better. Walk with me. Stay on track with me. I want to close this morning with a passage of Scripture. It's my wife's favorite passage of Scripture. If you guys want to turn your Bibles to 1 John 3.
I got it up here on the screen. It says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. If you've been a little convicted with the message this morning, I want you to take time and do verse 1 here of First John 3. Behold what manner of love. Take some time. Chew on the love of God how he loves you, that we would even be called his kids. That's pretty awesome. Therefore, the world does not know us. The world wants us to put us into their mold. Okay? We're something beautiful. Don't be conformed. Be transformed. You're a butterfly. Not really. You're a child of the living God. Royal priesthood children of the living God. Think about it, guys. Okay? The world doesn't know us because they don't know him. How can they understand us? Of course, they're going to judge us, poke fun at us. Why don't you care about this? (laughs) My eyes have been opened. It's all about Jesus. He's our hope. He can forgive you. He can save you. He is the answer. He is the solution to all these problems. Can we talk about him? Can I tell you about him? The world doesn't get us, guys. Verse 2, beloved, now we are children of God. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be. Okay? Well, I got this God DNA. I'm one of his kids. You know? Why don't I live like it more? Why ain't I doing, you know, my identity more? Sanctification's a process, guys. I can tell you guys, I'm not the man I was a month ago. God's been working on my heart, and that's one thing. You know, been walking with the Lord for decades. I can't look back on a season and say there hasn't been a season where God wasn't working. It's easy to start condemning myself. Well, I blew it there, and I blew it there. I can't believe I did that. Man, if they all knew that I did that, they wouldn't be here this morning. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, guys. And he is faithful to complete the work that he's begun. So it's not been revealed what we shall be, but we will be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Isn't that going to be a cool day? Okay. Jesus is pretty cool, okay? We can treasure him above all things. Like, yeah, he's the best. We long to see him face to face more than any other. And it's going to be so cool when we finally see him. We're like, whoa, I thought you were cool, but you're like super, you're awesome, okay? You're so awesome. I'm going to do what the Apostle John did. I'm going to fall on my face like I'm dead. Like, whoa! And what's he going to do with his scarred hand? going to put his hand on our back. He's going to tell us not to fear. Stand up. He's going to wipe away every tear from our eye. And it tells us here, this is a promise, and everyone who has this hope, do you have this hope? Are you living, brother and sister, in this truth, in this reality, what the Spirit does in our lives? Okay? If we have this hope, they purify himself just as he is pure. I don't know about you guys, but our God deserves a pure and spotless bride. He's going to be coming one day for us, and it might be soon. Okay? 
And again, it's not bucking up, getting our act together. I think what pleases God, and we read, we considered this morning, even though it's hard, even though the temptations are there, even though I'm fleshly at times, I'm still trusting. I'm still believing Jesus. I'm still walking with you. That simple faith is what's pleasing to him. I think that would be beautiful for him to see when he comes to get it, get us. Man, here are my kids. They're just believing. They're believing. They have faith. And that is beautiful to me. So, Father, this morning we ask humbly for that grace just to stay and step with your spirit, to be yielded, to be open, to hear, to receive, to walk with you. God, I thank you so much for how your spirit Lord, does purify her. <laughs> uh, just us, God, how you've been changing us, making us more like you. We know, and I don't think any of us would say it's been easy, but you're faithful. You don't ever give up. God, I pray that you would just do a, such a great work in and through your people here. God, I know none of us have it all together. There's always work to be done. We just want to be sensitive to your spirit, to the cathumps in life, that we would always be turning back to you, looking to you, trusting in you, Jesus, because we know that you're right and you're good. Thank you for your kindness and compassion, God, that you don't give up. Thank you for the truth of Romans 8 here. I pray that you'd help us all just walk and live in the newness of life. Lord, we thank you that you are in us. That you've given us a new mind that can be sensitive to you, to truth, to spiritual things. We're sorry that we were at war with you, but we're so thankful that we can call you Father, that you call us your kids to be in relationship with you. And we thank you for the power, that resurrection power, that you live in us. Just help us, Father, to live this life fully, abundantly, as you've uh, come to do, to set us free, that we can live that life to have that peace. We're so thankful for it. We pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.